This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Today's topic is inspired by our recent 18-year anniversary. Jesse, our marriage has officially become an adult. I can't believe we've been married for 18 years, actually. Yeah, sometimes it feels like it's been a lot longer than that. Sometimes it feels like it's been a lot shorter than that. I don't know whether that's... A good thing or a bad thing? Good or bad, but we've hit that point where it's hard to think of a time when we weren't mm. married. It's it's hard to envision life without being married because we've been married for 18 years. Mm. And yet at the same time, it feels like the time has gone by so quickly we've as well. A lot of stuff in those 18 years. Yeah. So we're going to share 10 lessons that we've learned in our 18 years of marriage. And because we have a lot that we want to talk about and we want to respect your time, we are going to skip the usual what we're reading and what's saving our life. We'll save that for next week. And we're going to dive right into these lessons that we've learned. Jesse, lesson number one is more something that you've learned. And so I'm going to let you talk about that. If your wife says she's not hungry, still buy the food. And just as a disclaimer, you came up with some of these lessons. So sometimes that lesson is, if your wife says she's not hungry, don't buy the food because she said she's not hungry. If she's hungry, she needs to learn to say something. But here's the deal. Sometimes I don't know that I'm really fully hungry. 
until I bring the food home. That's right. And then I and know that I'm really hungry. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. So word to the wise, or maybe the other thing should be an inverse. If your husband asks if you're hungry, just say yes. Exactly. But either way, if your wife says she's not hungry, still buy the food. Because even if she doesn't eat it, then you'll get two meals. No, no, that never happens. Because no matter what I would bring home, even if it's my food, you'd eat half of it. Except so you for, might as well bring home something that you can eat on your own. Except for you did figure something out. And that is if you buy food that has jalapenos in it or is really spicy, I won't touch it. That's so, true. If you don't want me touching it, just make sure that it's Mm -hmm. spicy because like we talked about last week, not into the spicy food. Number two, this is phraseology that we have learned to use. We still have to work on this, but this has made such a difference. Instead of just being accusatory towards your spouse, instead say, when you said that or when you did that, it made me feel like this. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's probably one of the bigger lessons that we've learned. Well, food and, has food has to come first, so I had to well, show yeah, food yeah, first. No, I'm just but kidding. most impactful. I absolutely agree because it's allowed us to learn to communicate in a way without feeling on the defensive. Mm-hmm. Instead of us having conflict we're able to actually communicate because I'm not accusing you saying you're always da 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 or you know you make me la 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 you know like that I'm just throwing accusations at you mm-hmm. but instead I am able to share openly when you did that when you walked in the room when you didn't when you're breathing <laughs> when you di- <laughs> For instance, let's say when you didn't look up from your phone when I was talking to you, it made me feel like I wasn't a priority. Right. And so then you can address that. You can either say, I'm really sorry, I should have paid more attention. Or you can say, hey, I was in the middle of something really important here and I was trying to finish it up and you didn't give me any ability to, you just jumped right in because Mm -hmm. that's something that I'll oftentimes do. I will just jump right into whatever it is that I want to tell you instead of giving you some warning. And I think that's another thing that I've had to learn is that I can't just expect for you to be able to go from whatever it is that you were doing right then in Mm -hmm. a half second to be able to focus fully on me. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to express that, not as in you never pay attention to me, you don't make me a priority, but instead to say, when you don't look up from your phone, when I come into the room and say your name, it makes me feel like I'm not a priority. Mm -hmm. And then it allows us to be able to have a conversation around that. That's a lot more productive instead of if I just say, you never prioritize me, you instantly are going to be on the defensive and feel like then you have to kind of defend yourself and fight back. And we never get to talk about the real root of what happened, how it made me feel, and Mm -hmm. where it was coming from. I think the other thing about this is it causes me or you, whoever is making the statement, to recognize what we're actually feeling. Yeah. Instead of being reactionary. 
because I think it's so easy for us to just jump to anger and kind of spewing out, you know, hurtful words instead of stopping and saying, that made me feel sad or that made me feel not mm-hmm. prioritized or, or sometimes I'll realize this has nothing to do with him. And I'm just sensitive because I'm struggling with something else or mm-hmm. I am feeling tired or, or whatever. And so it allows me to have to assess my feelings before just jumping into the conversation. So saying, when you said that, it made me feel like this, or when you did that, it made me feel like this. It has really made a difference mm-hmm. in our communication. Definitely. Third lesson that we've learned in our 18 years of marriage is laughter is the glue to a strong marriage. Now, there are many other things that can be the glue for a strong marriage, but I think laughter is a really important piece because it allows you to just enjoy Mm -hmm. one another. And I think looking for opportunities to make each other laugh. I think that's something that we do a lot of. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think that you don't laugh very much or you're you're hard to get to laugh. So anytime I do get you to laugh, it's a victory. I think it's just my personality type that I am not going to waste laughter on something that is not funny, which that's a problem. That's probably dysfunctional. I probably need to go to therapy for that or something, but that's true. And so you make it your goal. Mm-hmm to get me to laugh. So then you just got to have to try harder. And I just love being able to share something with you. Maybe it's something that one of the kids did. Maybe it's something that I saw online. Maybe it's just, you know, some just funny thought that Mm -hmm. I had and making you laugh. Although you're much easier. I'm much easier to laugh. Sometimes you will laugh at my jokes just because they're so stupid. You will laugh at that. Even when I'm trying to be funny. Don't, don't, don't say the S word. Okay. This is a family friendly podcast. We don't use that word. I I wouldn't say, I think I laugh at them because. See, see, I laugh at them because they're just so corny. Like they're so ridiculously corny. They're, they're not. I, I'm just like, how long did you sit there? And try to come up with that. And and so, yes, your dad jokes do make me laugh, not necessarily <laughs> because of how funny they are, but because of how bad they are. But thank you for making me laugh regardless. I appreciate that. The fourth lesson is something that I feel like we've learned anew in the last year, and that is the importance of giving each other time to pursue your individual interest. Now, as a couple, we want to have things that we enjoy doing together. And I Mm -hmm. think that's really important. But I also think recognizing that each of us have interest that we have separately and Mm -hmm. that that's not a bad thing either. And that we should encourage one another to have friendships and hobbies and just things that we enjoy doing, things that bring us life. And it's not necessarily, there's not going to be total overlap. You have a smirk on your face. What are you thinking? 
Oh, something else. Another dad joke. Were you working on that one? <laughs> kind of. But yeah, no, I, I completely agree because there's things that I'm interested in that you could care less about. And there's things that you're interested in that I'm not really interested in. So I love be careful like, in how I, I say love, that. I love that <laughs> yours was like, you could care less about my thing. And then for you, I mean, I could <laughs> see, I, kinda, just I don't t- fully, it's not 100% my, no. I think that we, we talked about in a much earlier episode about, you know, it's important to care about what the other person cares about, not because you care about it, but because you care about them. And so I want to know things that you're interested in, but I'm never going to get as interested or as excited as you about certain things. Just Mm -hmm. same for you. I am really interested in marketing and things to do with online and with Instagram and all that. And you're just never going to get as much excitement out of those types of things. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when it comes to sports or working out or hunting, I'm also just never going to be as excited about that. And so giving each other the space to be able to pursue interests that we have, I think is important because it helps you have that creativity Mm -hmm. in your life. And I think it makes you a more well-rounded person. And as a more well-rounded person, I think you're then bringing more creativity and energy to the relationship. Right. I also think that there's that, you know, variety is the spice of life, but then also that when you don't necessarily aren't carbon copies of one another, it makes your relationship more interesting because if you both liked exactly all the same things all the time, it just wouldn't make it so interesting. I think there's more dimension to your relationship because of that. What's that saying that if you have two of the same people in the one relationship, one of you is Unnecessary. Unnecessary. And so I think one thing we've really tried to prioritize this past year is giving each other that space, whether it's an hour during the day that we make sure, you know, each of us have some time during the day to just do something that brings life to us. And then also, you know, once or twice a week, having a more extended time to be able to invest in relationships and do things that bring life to us, things that we really enjoy. And I think that that's made our marriage stronger Mm -hmm. and recognizing that that's something that is important. And, you know, I think that it can be easy to kind of just get busy with life and Mm -hmm. to forget to pour into your tank in that way. And so making that a priority for one another. Number five, don't assume that your spouse processes at the same speed you do. Hmm. You're sitting there processing this one. I know it's going to be a minute. I'll just, I'll just sit and wait. That's deep. This one is definitely more for me because if you've been listening to the podcast, you probably have a good idea that I am a fast processor. It's just how my brain works. And like I talked about walking in the room and wanting you to immediately look up from your phone and be ready to talk to me because I've got something to say and I want to 
just have this conversation. Well, plus you can go from one task to another task to another task, back to another task, back to a new task, back to the, one of the old tasks in lightning quick. So, Or you're kind of doing them all at it's the same time yes. in your head. Uh, okay, that makes no sense whatsoever to me. How can you be thinking 10 things at one time? How can you be thinking one thing at a time? No, how can you be thinking I no can't things figure at that one out. time? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, yeah, when you talked about your brain, you're just you're like, if I say, what you thinking about? Because you look like you're deep in thought. Nothing. I'm like, you got to be thinking something. How do you think Nothing. And I remember the first it's very freeing. I remember the first time in our marriage when you asked that question back to me and you said, mm-hmm. What are you thinking about? And I said, Well, do you really want to go? No. And you said, Yeah. And so Wrong I Wrong answer. <laughs> I listed <laughs> off I don't know how many things, but there were a number of things. Yeah. And you just your jaw just kind of dropped lower and lower and lower and lower. And then you're like, you can't be thinking about all those things at once. And and I don't think it's probably that you're actually thinking about all of them at one time, but it, they're all on the table at the same time. Like they're all in your brain at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it feels like you're thinking about all of them at the same in, time. In some way, shape or form, they're all related. Oh yeah, of course. It's all connected in some way. Absolutely. And so don't assume the other person processes at the same speed you do. For me, that has meant, for instance, If I have something that I want to talk to you about, which most of the time I do because I have a lot of words, I, instead of just jumping right into it and assuming you're ready, your brain is cleared and ready to Mm -hmm. talk about this, to say, hey, I wanted to talk to you about something. Um, It's going to take a few minutes or, you know, it's more in-depth conversation. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about it sometime in the next hour? Or usually I'm not that patient. So I might say in the next few minutes or when you wrap up whatever you're doing, can we talk for a bit? Mm -hmm. And so kind of giving you that time to power down whatever it is that you are working on and then be ready to move to the next thing. Right. But then also this goes along with sometimes then we have that conversation and I'm the kind of person where I just want to tie it up with a bow. Okay, we talked about it. Now, what's the solution? Let's Mm -hmm. come up with a solution right here and now and then move forward. And to recognize that you are usually going to need some time. You're going to need to think about it. Mm -hmm. You're going to need to weigh your different options and then come to a decision. And so for me to not get frustrated with you, that you process Mm -hmm. in a more intentional manner. Mm I don't want to say it's slow because no, I think I think you're it's a more measured manner. It's more more de- deliberate, but also you've had a time to process through whatever you wanted to talk to me about. There's a reason that you want to talk to me about it because you've been thinking about it. So you bring it to me anew when I haven't been thinking about it. You've already had gone and had that lead time in processing through. So just recognizing that I then need to work through some things as well before finalizing that conversation. And I think on the flip side, then you've had to learn that you need to sometimes speed up Mm -hmm. your processing so that it's not serving as a frustration to me. Right. And sometimes it's good for me to kind of being like, okay, we need to come to a decision because it's been 
five days or whatever. And I think the thing that's been helpful for me is to ask you, say, I would like for us to have a decision pretty mm-hmm. quickly on this because of X, Y, and Z. When do you think that you could have decided this by? Or when do you want me to mm-hmm. ask you about it again? And that's been really right. helpful because then you don't, I don't have to feel like I'm nagging you. You've given me the time frame to come back to you. And so that's really helped us with our different speeds of processing. Mm -hmm. Number six, daily gestures are more important than Hallmark holidays. And I know that, especially in the world that we live in with the internet, it's so easy to kind of feel like you need to be having these really amazing Hallmark moments in the sense of, you know, if it's Valentine's Day, it needs to be this perfect date or for your birthday or your anniversary or for Christmas, you need to have the perfect setting or the perfect gift and that that's so important. And I'm not saying that that's bad. That can be a wonderful part of your relationship, but that's not what's going to matter most. I feel like it's the daily ways that you are practically saying, I love you, the ways that you're showing up, that's what's going to make the biggest impact over the long haul. Well, I think especially for you, because you don't like Hallmark holidays for the most part. I tell you what, I, I don't like Hallmark holidays and I don't laugh. I mean, I just really sound like a no, 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 first no, no. class no, no. Scrooge. No, because I think that you would much rather appreciate the deeper more meaning you would appreciate something that were to happen on Valentine's day. If it happened on some other day and it wasn't just being done because it was Valentine's day. I don't make sense. Yes. No, no, I was just teasing you. I don't find as much meaning in something that is done just because someone feels like they're obligated to do it. And I also don't want anyone to ever feel Mm -hmm. obligated. I would rather that you did something because you had an idea and you were excited to do it and you wanted to do something to bless me versus feeling like, well, it's her birthday. So we got to do something. So what am I going to do? So we're not celebrating your birthday this year. We're not celebrating any of the, we're we're actually going to, I'm also going to make my own calendar and all those holidays are going to be shifted by like, say 20 days. Okay. So I think that'll be more meaningful. Yeah, exactly. But I was just thinking for instance, Yesterday, I had mentioned some offhand comment about wishing that I could have brownies. (laughs) And then you walk in the door last night and you had gone to the store and you'd bought this really yummy chocolate cake and ice cream for me. And then today you came home and you brought me a decaf latte from Starbucks. And it's just these little gestures that Mm -hmm. are ways to say, I love you. Yesterday, you took my car in to get the battery fixed. And those things are so much more meaningful to me. And I think it's important, though, to know your spouse. Because for some women, I think that Hallmark holidays and celebrating them really well, Mm -hmm. that is really important. But I think I think I can't imagine any person who wouldn't appreciate a daily gesture that was done that just, just spoke discuss. to them. I love you. I care about you. Mm-hmm. You mean something to me and I want to do this to show my love for you. Yep. 
And so looking for those ways to do that. And it can be the smallest little thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if I go to the store and they had Snickers bars marked down. And so to pick one up for you, or if I see something that I'm like, I know you'd really like, or uh, just taking care of something for you so that you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. I know that that's just something that is meaningful to you. Number seven is express gratitude. And this goes hand in hand with number six, but I was thinking of this as I was thinking of what are those most important lessons that we've learned? And this one is for me. And I thought of, I don't even know that I want to share this story, but (laughs) yes. So a number of years ago, Jesse wanted to bless me and he wanted to buy a car for me. And we had you know, spent years of our marriage just eking by, eating lots and lots of beans and rice and making do and doing without. And so we finally got into a place where we were debt-free, we were earning more than we were spending, and we were able to set money aside, and he wanted to buy me a car. And I remember him coming to me and saying, what is your dream car? And now this is really going to sound like I am like kind of a jerk because I was like, I mean, I don't, I don't even know. I, I don't have a dream car. And I know that sounds so weird to a lot of people, but I just, I, I don't, I don't care about a lot of those types of things. I'm like, you don't really notice cars. I don't really notice cars. And it's like, is it clean? Does it drive well? Does it and get good gas mileage? Does it get good gas mileage? And does it get me where I need to go? Okay, I'm good. Is it safe? And is it safe? Yes. Yep. And so finally, you kept saying, what kind of car? You know. And so I said, could you pick out five cars and just pick them out? And you know, ones that you feel like get good gas mileage, they are you know, have great safety ratings and that you feel like would be a good car for mm-hmm. our family. And then I will pick from those. So you pick them out and I picked one from those. And then you started looking and you ended up finding this really great deal on this one that I picked. And you were so excited. I remember we worked with a, was it He's a been like a, a broker thing? Kind of sort of, yeah, almost like a broker. What he would do is go, he was a personal dealer and he would go to dealer auctions. So he would purchase the vehicle and then do all the tags, taxes, title, all that for you and take care of the all the legwork. And he'd take a little percentage off of it. So I remember that you were so excited and you had me come to your office. That was when you had your law firm. You had me meet you there and he brought this car and you just were beaming. And it was much more than we'd ever spent on any of our very used, like very massive mileage cars, because that's all we had before. Mm-hmm. And so you were just, I remember he was showing you all the features and you were so excited. <laughs> and and I was like, okay, okay, whatever. But that's a lot of money to spend. And so we got it home and you just said, you know, 
do you like the car? Are you excited about the car? And I said, well, we could have fed a lot of children who were starving with that money or something to that effect. And I was like, I, I feel really guilty spending this much money on a vehicle because we had paid cash. And you were just deflated. And I just was like, what? I don't understand. And it took us a while to kind of process through that. And I realized through that, that you were so excited to be able to bless me with this car. Mm -hmm. You, we had gotten to this place financially that you could buy this car for me that was going to be like this huge gift that would show I love you and I'm taking care of you and I want you to have a really great car. And all I could think about was this feels so extravagant and it was a used car and we got a great deal in it, but still compared to what we had been driving. And I was just so convicted through that, that I had hurt you a lot when here you had brought this gift to me and it was like, I just kind of shoved it in your face and threw it on the ground was basically what I was doing and not being grateful at all. And so since then, I've really been challenged to set aside kind of some of my own, you know, I tend to be the frugal, thrifty sort of person and not that I'm going to ever put that all aside, but to see that when you want to bless me in a way that I shouldn't be pushing back on that Mm -hmm. because that's speaking in a way that's just hurtful to you. Mm -hmm. That's saying, I don't, I don't want your gift. I don't care that you're putting this time and effort and thought to bless me. And so just really working on expressing gratitude and seeing what your spouse is doing for you, even if it maybe to you doesn't speak love in mm-hmm. such a strong way, to see it as they are wanting to show you love. And so express gratitude and receive with open hands and gratefulness for that. You know, a couple along with that is the lesson that, a lot of times in marriages, at least in our marriage, the way that someone accepts and receives love is completely different than how the other person gives it. So we have to learn a completely new way of giving and showing love so that the other person will receive it in the way that it's intended. And I think the other thing for me that I realized from that is that If I reject the way that you're seeking to express love to me, you're going to just shut down and stop trying because you're going to feel like, well, I tried so hard and I wanted so much to bless her and she just wasn't even grateful. Mm -hmm. And so why am I even going to bother to try? Because I'm just going to get hurt in the process. Number eight, love is a choice. I think our culture oftentimes gives us this view that love is a feeling and it can be a feeling, Mm -hmm. but it is a choice. When you say I do at the altar, it's not just a kind of one and done sort of thing. It means I continue to do, I continue to show up. I will continue to choose love even on the really hard days. You know, I think you say in sickness and in health, for richer, Mm -hmm. for poor. And I think 
we've had a lot of for poor and we've had a lot of sickness and we've had a lot of rocky days. And it's not just the health and the richer, it's both. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there will be many more rocky times ahead. But love is a choice. It's choosing to show up every day to say, I choose you. And even on the days when I don't like you, I choose to love you. Number nine, ask forgiveness often. This is something that we started doing early on in our relationship. And I'm so grateful that we did because I feel like that you can kind of get stuck in a rut where you become prideful and it's really hard to ask forgiveness. If you haven't developed that, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for. Yeah, the discipline and that it's a normal thing Mm -hmm. because you're going to mess up a lot. You're Mm going to hurt your spouse. The person that you love the most is usually the person that you hurt the most because you spend the most time with them. You're all up in their business. And so it's like you're going to say and do things that are going to be hurtful to them. And so making it a habit that when you make that mistake, when you hurt them, when you've messed up, instead of just kind of stuffing it under the rug or pretending like it doesn't happen or trying to go overboard and buy flowers or do something to practically kind of shove it under the rug. Yes. Or erase it or help Mm -hmm. them forget about it. Just go and humble yourself and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Will you forgive me? Yeah. And the other thing too, is to do that to the children as well. Mm -hmm. And that speaks volumes of love to them. And in a relationship, be willing to go first and be willing to really actually ask forgiveness and then don't put any blame on them because it's easy to kind of apologize, be like, I'm sorry. Or if I did anything to hurt you, please forgive me. Mm -hmm. Or I know I hurt you yesterday and I'm sorry, but you also hurt me. All of those are not fully just humbling yourself and saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And leaving it at that. And then as the forgiving party also, don't bring it up again. Yeah. And then finally, and I feel like this goes hand in hand with asking forgiveness, pray together. It's really hard to be angry and at odds with someone (laughs) if you're praying with them. And so that is a practice that we've tried to make a part of our marriage even before we were married building that discipline again of asking forgiveness and praying together. And one of the things I love is that I know that at any time I can come to you and just say, Hey, I'm feeling really overwhelmed or I'm having a hard day or I'm stressed about this, or I don't know what to do about this, or this is just, I'm starting to feel anxious. Can you pray for me? Mm -hmm. And for me to just be honest about what I'm feeling, but then to lean on you in that way, there's something just really beautiful. I feel like it really bonds our relationship together for me to do that. And it just, I usually always feel so much better. Just having you pray with me and for me, I just feel so much better. And then offering to pray for your spouse. I know sometimes if you're just feeling overwhelmed or having a hard day, or you're facing something that feels scary or just a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, for me to just say, Hey, can I pray for you? And 
It's just a gift that you can give your spouse. And I think it provides a lot of oneness and intimacy to have that spiritual intimacy as well of just knitting your hearts together and praying before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts, Jesse? No, I think you've covered a lot of the big rocks that we've and lessons that we've had to figure out the hard way along the way. And hopefully it'll help some of you that are starting out or that haven't picked up those big stones yet. You can pick those up, put those in your satchel to help you. Instead of picking them up to throw at your spouse, Mm -hmm. put them in your toolkit, put these in your toolkit to use them to really come together and have a stronger marriage. And I'm excited for what the next 18 years hold and the many lessons that we will learn. I look back and see how much we have grown in 18 years. And it just encourages me and excites me for what the future holds and the growth that is to come, both individually for us and then together as a couple. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer in a future episode, or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 